Well, hello there, friend, and welcome to the My Adoption Coach Podcast. I am so glad that you decided to join us today. My name is Amanda, and I'm an adoption profile expert. I help hopeful adoptive families create, edit, and share their adoption profiles with expectant families so that you can match faster. I do this by giving you step-by-step resources to help you all along your adoption journey. So let's dive right in. Are you thinking about adopting a baby, but confused on where to start and what all of these words mean that people are saying in Facebook groups or that you're finding on Google? Well, if that is you, my friend, don't worry. I have your back. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to determine what type of adoption is right for you, what in the world all of those words mean, and of course, I have a handy dandy step-by-step process to help you out. Oh, and if you already have picked which method of matching is right for your family, but you're worried that your profile is not being seen enough, stick around to the end of the episode because I have a few tips to help you put yourself in the driver's seat of your adoption. But before we dive into today's episode, let me take a moment to introduce myself. My name is Amanda, and I'm an adoption profile expert. I help hopeful adoptive families create and share their adoption profiles so they can match faster. And occasionally, I create content like this to help hopeful adoptive families learn the process of adoption. If you haven't already, I sure would love it if you would take a moment to follow or subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and review. That helps me know what type of content is most valuable to you. And one last thing before we dive into today's episode. If you haven't already heard, I have a special contest running right now where you can actually win my adoption profile creation services for you for free. I will actually create your adoption profile, the one that you can use to match and bring home your baby entirely for free. Head on over to myadoptioncoach.com backslash contest to learn how you can win that free profile today. Okay, so today we're going to talk about which method of adoption is right for your family. And if you're struggling to figure this out, friend, again, know that you are not alone. This is a very common stumbling block as people are starting out in their adoption journey. I know it was for me. When we started our adoption journey, I felt like I was Googling until my fingers fell off. My husband literally one night was so worried because I typically am an early riser, but I was staying up all night and I was just Googling and trying to figure things out. And he was like, what is going on? And I pointed out to him all of the inconsistencies I was finding on all of these websites and how I was just so confused. So honestly, that was one of the reasons why I started my adoption coach to begin with, so that I could help other hopeful adoptive families coach them through the process of adoption. And so that's really what I'm going to do for you today, my friend. I'm going to coach you through the process. I'm going to give you the exact step-by-step process to determining which type of adoption is right for you. So we're going to use my four-step process to break it down super simple and easy so that it's easy for you to follow along. If you haven't already done so, you might want to grab a pen and paper because this episode is one that you're going to want to walk through, maybe pause and come back to a few times. Okay. All right. So there, again, there's a four-step process. The first step is really understanding what in the world all of these different names are, but really understanding what are the different ways that you can privately, domestically adopt a child. Okay. So let's break down that sentence as we go into what are the different types. So private adoption would mean not foster care. 
That is the industry term for adoption. So that means that you are facilitating an adoption between an expectant family and a hopeful adoptive family, and you become an adoptive family at the end once you have adopted this child. This private means not foster care. That's the other way to think about it, okay? You'll also see a private used in a couple of different ways, and we'll get into that in a second, so don't get all worried and confused if you're like, wait a minute, but I thought it meant this. Shelve it for a second, okay? All right, so private domestic. So domestic means in the U.S. I'm not talking international adoption. As a matter of fact, I am not your person for international adoption, my friend. I wish you the best of luck, all the peace, but go and and search out another solution because I am not your girl for international adoption. That is so hard. So private domestic um, infant or newborn adoption. So baby, right? We're not talking about toddlers. We're in you know, in any, any child older than that, sorry, as I stumble on my words, um, and then adoption, I think we all know what that word means. Okay. So when we talk about private domestic adoption, there are really four main types that the majority of the industry talks about. The first you're going to be pretty familiar with, and that is an adoption agency. So and you might hear them referred to as a private domestic adoption agency, or you might hear them referred to just as adoption agency. But let's talk about what an adoption agency is before we talk about the next few types of adoption. So an adoption agency is typically a group of different professionals and different disciplines that are all together in one um, kind of service for you that works to find expectant parents for you to match with. So their job is to be really kind of serving two clients in this model. And their two clients are obviously the expectant families, the families that are considering placing a child for adoption. And the second is you, the hopeful adoptive family, the people that are trying to adopt. So you might actually also see like um, EP as an abbreviation for expectant family. Um, You might see HAP, hopeful adoptive, uh, HAP, hopeful adoptive parent um, used as well. Those can kind of be some abbreviations, but those are the two clients, if you will, that adoption agencies serve. Their job as an adoption agency really is to attract clients to want to work with them, expectant families to want to place their child through them, and hopeful adoptive families to want to match with expectant families through them. And then they walk you through a process, depending upon, again, you know, which client you are for them, they walk you through a process by which you become connected with an expectant family. But the primary benefit, if you will, of using an adoption agency is that they bring multiple disciplines to bear throughout the adoption process or multiple adoption professionals could be another way to say that throughout the adoption process. So they're going to have licensed social workers and counselors. And believe it or not, both the expectant family and the hopeful adoptive family are going to need both of those resources at different times. They might also have um, an adoption focused uh, doctor on staff that can answer, answer medical questions. They're for sure going to have someone to help you with your profile, or they're going to give you the benefit to help, you know, or excuse me, the option of working with someone else on your profile. And by the way, 
hello, raising my hand to help you with your adoption profile. The next thing they're going to have is someone to finalize the adoption or to make it legal. And that is going to be your adoption attorney. So giving you just a little like mini snippet of what an adoption agency is. But if you have more questions or you're wanting to do some more research on adoption agencies, be sure and to check out all of the other videos on this channel and the other podcast episodes because I've gone much deeper and other episodes, but wanted to give you enough to get you started. Okay, so that is type number one. The second type would be a consultant. And so an adoption consultant, some people will confuse them with facilitators. They are two separate things. But an adoption consultant is going to go work with multiple agencies to represent you. And when you are working with an adoption consultant, you will be paying fees to the adoption consultant for their services of outreach, as well as to the agency that you end up matching with. The reason why some people choose to use a consultant is simply that because they have a broader reach. They are talking to more people um, through an adoption agency perspective. They might be working with five or 10 or maybe even 20 adoption agencies looking for opportunities. Now, if you're like me, when I was going through the process, I was like, why in the world would an adoption agency go to a consultant versus just going to its own client roster? Well, there are really kind of two scenarios that really drive why an adoption agency would be working with a consultant and thus how you could benefit working with a consultant versus just with one agency. And the first really is that some agencies are small and they just don't have a lot of hopeful adoptive parents, and but they have an expectant parent that needs to match. And so therefore, they're using an, an adoption consultant to really expand their pool of people that are working with them. If you think about it from a business perspective, those smaller agencies are not going to be using their limited resources, i.e. their money, to go and advertise to hopeful adoptive families. And instead, they paired up with a consultant or a few to match adoptions. That way, the consultant is doing the work on bringing in those uh, hopeful adoptive families to match with. The second reason why an adoption agency may not be presenting an opportunity to someone on their own uh, kind of client roster, but instead sharing that with a consultant would be that they don't match the qualifications that someone has set out. So whenever you become a waiting family with an agency, you're going to go through a questionnaire that's going to talk about what do you feel equipped to parent and what type of situations are you looking for and all of those things. And then when an adoption agency gets an opportunity to place a child for adoption, they're looking and matching between those qualifications. So if a smaller adoption agency doesn't have anybody on their roster, then they're going to go match with a consultant because the likelihood of them having someone is much greater. Um, so that's really kind of the two, um, that's the difference between an agency and a consultant. Before we move on to the next, I want to just quickly call out that I do have a free guide that helps you kind of go through this process a little bit more in depth. It is 
in my opinion, of course, super valuable because we break down each one of these steps. I give you videos to watch and then I give you worksheets and things to go through. It really is a course that I used to sell that I have just kind of taken off the market because I felt like it was more valuable to you guys um, if I could just make it free. So I made it free for you. So head on over to myadoptioncoach.com backslash start. Just enter in your email address and you will get this guide immediately sent to you. Okay. All right. So we've talked about two of the four ways that you can match your adoption. The first being an agency, the second being a consultant, the third being an attorney. Some people also consider a facilitator the same as attorneys, but they're a little slightly different. So let me break those down. So the basic principle is that an attorney or a facilitator is finding an expectant parent to match you with, right? And so someone has come to them and said, you know, I am looking to place my child for adoption. And then the attorney or the facilitator are then connecting them with you. Now, the main difference between a facilitator and attorney, of course, is that the attorney can do the legal side of the adoption for you, right? They can process all of the paperwork. And it doesn't matter which version of these, um, you know, kind of methods of matching that you're choosing, you will still need an adoption attorney in the end. Now, a downside of using an adoption attorney by itself really is that an adoption attorney typically is not advertising to expectant families. They're typically waiting for expectant families to come to them. Oftentimes, this happens through word of mouth. Through people have placed, through somebody who has seen this person or had some sort of interaction with this attorney, and they have made a connection point. Now, the reason why I group attorneys and facilitators together is that they typically have lower volume. Now, this is not true in all cases, but it is in most. But they typically have a lower volume of cases coming their way. And so therefore, they have lower match opportunities for you. It's also really important to note that in some states, it is illegal to use an attorney as your um, method of finding and matching with an expectant parent, as well as a facilitator. So that's another reason why I just kind of mentally group them together. Um, you guys ought to see this like type A brain in here. It's a little scary sometimes, but you know, you're my people, you relate, right? Okay, so now let's talk about the last type of adoption um, that you can consider before we move on to the next type of really figuring out which one's right for you. So the last type is self-matching. You might also hear it be called private adoption or independent adoption or adopting without an agency. I feel like I could just go on and on and on and on for all of these different words. But the basic you know, thing that you're doing here is that you are marketing and advertising your family to expectant families to match with. You are matching directly together, typically through social media or in other forms of communication in real life because you happen to know somebody or you've come across each other in real life some way. And then you're working back with typically a social worker to support uh, you both throughout the journey as kind of a counselor, right? Um, as well as an adoption attorney to then finalize the adoption. So those are the four different ways that you can match. Now, how in the hell do you determine what is right for you? Oh, I hope 
YouTube doesn't catch that. I might not, I might not be able to say the H word on here. Not quite so sure. Um, so what do you do once you understand all of the different types to determine which one's right for you? The next thing I did in my own journey and that I coach my one-to-one clients on is writing your financial plan. Understanding that there are different budget levels that go along with really those different types of adoption. And if you are curious what those are, head on over to myadoptioncoach.com backslash blog. I've got a million different articles there that give you ranges and that give you kind of best practices and all of those types of things. Or you can just grab that getting started guide that I mentioned earlier, because it's all in there too, my friend. Um, But you want to create your adoption financial plan, which is just a fancy way of saying, what do you plan to spend on your adoption? Well, you may be thinking, I don't know, like, how how would I even know that at this point? You would know that because I walk you through it in the guide. Inside that financial plan, we're going to do things like understanding how much it costs for a home study. If you're going to use an agency or an attorney, what are the ranges from a budget perspective? What type of support materials will you need for your expectant family? And what type of support and adoption professionals will you need to be ready to match with an expectant family? So I walk you through it step by step. But before you determine which type of adoption is right for you, you really need to have a financial plan because that could sway or impact the method that you choose. Okay. So the next, the third step of the four, hang in there, we're getting close, I promise, is to determine what level of openness or contact you want after the child is placed for adoption with you. So understanding if you want an open adoption, a semi-open adoption, or a closed adoption could also have an impact in what road you choose or what partner you choose. Because there are some agencies and consultants out there that do require you to have a fully open adoption or a semi-open adoption. I will say closed adoptions are very rare these days, but all of those things could have an impact. And of course, if you're self-matching, that could also have an impact as it relates to your level of openness. The majority of my clients that self-match end up with a semi-open adoption, which means that they communicate through pictures and letters and sometimes on social media, but they actually don't like meet in person. And because that is how they met originally, typically they meet on social media, right? And so that becomes a natural way that people actually then stay connected and communicate after the adoption is finalized. But knowing what you want at the end of this journey is really important because that will help you determine which method of adoption is really right for you. Okay, finally, step number four. And if you've listened to a few of my episodes here recently, you know that I'm really focused on you casting your vision. You need to know what the end is like for you, not only just for um, the actual adoption, like communication methods, but you also need to know what life is like. Are you now a stay-at-home parent where before you maybe were a dual income household? Are you now working part-time? Is your child going to go into care or is your child going to be cared by a grandparent? Thinking through those little details of how your life expands once a child joins your family really will actually help you impact your financial plan, maybe your level of openness, and potentially, of course, the method of matching that you are choosing. 
So this may seem like a little woo-woo of an exercise, but I do encourage you to do it. Um, I do it for the big and small things in my life all the time. I take out a blank piece of paper. I take out my trusty. If you watched last week's episode, you'll know a purple pencil that I keep here beside my desk. And I write out what is life like for me? What, what do I want to achieve? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? Who do I want to be? I simply set a timer on my phone and I put in my AirPods and I write until my heart feels great. So I would encourage you to do that as your last step in the process. Okay, so at the start of this episode, I promise to also give tips to those of you that have already picked your method of adoption, but maybe you're a little worried. I hear you, my friend. I I see you in my community. You show up in my DMs all the time. What I want you to hear me say is that if you've committed to one method of adoption, you could always add another one in. So the majority of the time that people show up in my DMs, it is that they're with an agency that they've been waiting for over a year and they're very worried. And so what I coach them to do is to consider adding self-matching to their adoption journey and to the method of matching that they're either choosing. And how this really works, just a secret little inside tip, is that you actually work with your adoption agency to finalize your adoption and to support the expectant parents all the way throughout the journey. You've already paid them the fees. Why not use them, right? So I coach you through how to set up your profile away from your adoption agency because you need a different profile for this and then how to share it with expectant families that are considering placing their child for adoption. You're really putting yourself in the driver's seat to self-match your adoption, and that will make a difference in the overall speed of your adoption. If you have questions on how to do that, hit me up in DMs, and I will walk you through the process. It's actually a lot easier than what most people think. And of course, I have a step-by-step process to walk you through it. Okay, so there you have it, friend. The four steps to determining what type of adoption is really right for you and a little plan and a few tips on what to do if you're worried that you've picked the wrong method of matching and you want to really put yourself in the driver's seat of your adoption journey. I trust that today's episode has been incredibly valuable for you. If it has, I sure would love it if you would like it. If you'd leave a rating and review on the podcast, or if you'd leave a comment on the YouTube uh, video so that I know what type of content has been most helpful for you. Because that is my goal, to help you throughout your entire adoption journey. Because after all, everything's possible with the right plan and support. And I've got your back every step of the way. I'll see you soon, friends.